Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Never a doubt. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. There was never a doubt that the Tampa Bay Rays were going to get a new stadium in Tampa. They were not going to go to Montreal for half the year. They weren't going to relocate to be the third city, the third team in the Northeast, New York, New Jersey, no matter what Stu wanted. That ball club was staying put. Major League Baseball needed Tampa to stay where it was because they had to keep Nashville open for expansion. They needed Oakland to stay put. Either they will or they won't, but the Oakland situation is going to be taken care of. Then Oakland could be available for expansion or Vegas. But either way, Major League Baseball needs and wants to get to 32 teams. And today at 10.30 a.m. local time, people on the west side of Florida, are finally gonna get their prayers answered with a brand new 30,001.2 billion dollar fixed dome park in downtown, in downtown St. Pete. Ooh, I got a lot of questions about this one. I want to start on the positive side because I'm feeling good this week. I'm very happy. I'm three days away from the 4448 challenge. I'm very rested. Slept from 1 to 3:25 a.m. last night. Woke up, surprise chicken for my one final run. Now I'm taking a couple days off before the challenge. So, but I'm in a good mood, not tired. So I want to start with the positive. Congratulations to Stuart Sternberg. It's taken a long time, as I told you it would during all those owners meetings we went to together. You're not gonna be the most popular kid on the block. It's gonna take getting right to the edge of extinction or the edge of tomorrow, and then you will get a deal. Having a new stadium anywhere is not the panacea that it used to be when the first crop of new stadia, like in Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Houston, San Francisco, places where attendance skyrocketed. San Francisco, you may not remember Candlestick Park, that was Pro Player Stadium. They moved to AT&T Park and they started an unbelievable stretch of success on and off the field. Don't forget what the Pirates were when they were winning in their new amazing Pac Bell. The Astros, when they got out of the Astrodome and went to Enron, which then became Minute Maid. When we were doing pro formas to go from Pro Player Stadium to Marlins Park, we thought that opening a ballpark in 2012 was close enough to the new stadium age that we could count on attendance 
and therefore local revenue to grow significantly immediately. We raised the payroll to a record number and the revenue did not come with it, which caused the complete craziness nightmare of that Toronto trade in 2012 at the end of the year with the total reset, a crushing blow. Tampa's way too smart to do what I did. They're not gonna raise their payroll until they know what their revenue is going to be. Nobody opening a new stadium, John Fisher included, no matter what is promised to you, is going to raise their payroll irresponsibly the way we did, thinking that the attendance will follow, that the huge naming rights deal's coming, that corporate revenue is going through the roof, that everyone's gonna be so excited to go to St. Pete, but not to the TROP, instead to the new building. Why was it necessary? Because the TROP is too old. The lease was running out and they wanted to see whether or not a new ballpark would help them. It's not gonna make them revenue sharing payors. They're not gonna become one of the top 10 payroll teams. They're not gonna become one of the top 10 attendance teams, but it's gonna lessen the gap between the 28th most local revenue and the 22nd. We used to have a line when we were trying to get public financing, which was, we're okay with being 30th because someone has to be 30th. We don't want to be 60th. It's a line I used in Montreal with TV revenue saying we're okay being 30th, but not 60th. It's a line I used in Florida about ticket revenue. We're okay being 30th, but not 60th. The new ballpark is supposed to take care of that. The problem is, New ballparks don't do that anymore. You can look at the numbers from the most recently opened ballparks and realize that Tampa is going to be more conservative in their projections. When they submitted their projections to Major League Baseball, which you have to do when you want a new stadium before MLB approves the new stadium, the projections, I assure you, are much more tame, much more realistic. But back to the positive, what a great moment for those in Tampa and St. Pete, knowing that you will still have your baseball team for generations to come. But let's ask some tough questions because I did not get a credential from CBS or from Metal Arc Media. I will not be at the press conference at 10.30 a.m. at the TROP when Stu Sternberg announces it. So for anybody in the media out there listening, and I know there are many, thank you. I have a few questions. Number one, if you thought that you had to put $600 million into a project, why didn't you do the project in Tampa when Ybor City was available to you and your contribution would have been less and the ballpark would have been opened earlier? There must be a reason. Let's find out what it is. Two, for a $1.2 billion ballpark, what is the reason why you're going fixed dome versus retractable roof? Is it because of the size of the acreage that you have where you don't have enough? Is it because of the development you wanna do around there where you don't want the, the roof columns outside of your ballpark? Is it because you did focus groups and your fans don't want open air because they're used to the trop, which is a fixed dome? or now it is, so might as well, I think it was fixed my entire career actually, so might as well stick with that. 
Next question. Was it really Major League Baseball who said no to Montreal and Tampa, but you were really going to do that because you thought that that was really a possibility? I'd like a real answer to that question because I know for a fact it was never a possibility. And I do know it for a fact from people within baseball. It was never going to get the votes from people within the union. It was never going to get the votes. What benefit did you get from that sister city proposal? And then the last question I'm hopeful will be asked is given how good you are at what you do, and this is a compliment. You're in the playoffs for a fifth year in a row. You're with a payroll in the bottom five always. Why do you want to raise your payroll? What would be the reason to raise your payroll? So you can make mistakes? So you can cover up those mistakes? Does the new stadium give you a runway to make mistakes? Or do you realize that the way you run it is the way every team wishes they could run it? So is this done just for a better fan experience, for more revenue, to pay down debt? What would be the reason? The reason I want to ask those questions is that I think it's going to be fascinating to hear what happens at the 10.30 a.m. press conference. Thrilled that we're going to get to talk about it on tomorrow's Nothing Personal live at 8 a.m. on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Because sometimes these press avails, the fix is in. The questions are known in advance, and they are what's known as the finchers. Do you know what a fincher is, Coca? The Jenny finchers, the softballs, the easy ones. Coca's yelling in my ear. What, what? Oh, you have a, so you want to talk to Samson? Are you going to play the music? You don't actually don't have to play the music, but you could. Does a naming rights deal transfer to a new stadium or do you have to renegotiate? That is a great question. The naming rights deal for Tropicana Field likely expires with the lease. If there are any provisions within the contract that include a right of first refusal or a right of first look, which means that Tampa has to go, the Braves have to go to Pepsi or to Tropicana and ask do they want to do a naming rights deal? Here's the amount we're looking for. And they have the opportunity to say no or yes before anyone else or right of first refusal, which has a quashing impact on the value. Side note, don't give a right of first refusal when you're selling your company or when you're doing anything. Because when someone has a right of first refusal, why would anyone bid when they know they can just be refused because they can be matched? But if there's a right of first refusal in the deal, which is highly unlikely, then Tampa can go negotiate with anybody and then go back to the TROP or Pepsi and they can decide, do they want to match it? So the answer is that it's not in the contract, Coca, but if it were, then it would be a contract not with a building, it would be the naming rights of a team. That goes from building to building. But naming rights as we know them are associated with buildings, not with teams. That would be like asking, would network associates all of a sudden get the Las Vegas naming rights because they had the Oakland A's naming rights? Nope, not the case. So if you're asking me now to cover a bunch of wait to sees that I had on Tampa, I must tell you that my wait to sees are in a document. There's not one single wait to see that's alone for Tampa. They're all also associated with Oakland. 
So I can't close those wait to sees because we don't know what's happening with Oakland. And the irony is I have a wait to see that Oakland will not move to Portland or Vegas. We'll see what happens. I have a wait to see that neither Tampa nor Oakland will move. Well, I only have half of that right, so I can't take a win, but I can't take a loss because Oakland hasn't moved to Vegas quite yet. So they're still open. So that's why I have no update right now on any wait to sees regarding Tampa. I thought I did too. So I went through my entire three years of documents last night. Okay, let's talk about the NFL now. There is a lot to cover today with what's going on in the National Football League. We're gonna get to Patrick Mahomes and uh, what he did yesterday, because it's quite something. But we're gonna start with a grievance, because I like grievances. Grievances, as you know, in baseball, are when management, the commissioner's office representing the owners, has something that they're not happy with that the union's doing, and they file a grievance against the union or they file a grievance against a player. The union represents the player, assuming that player is a member of the union, not a scab. And not all players in baseball are members of the union. The players who played during the replacement players never became members of the union. I love you, Kevin Millar, but you were never a member of the union. You've admitted that, you know that. When you have a grievance against a player, the union represents the player. And so the grievance is really commissioner against union. When the union files a grievance against a team, they're actually filing a grievance in the commissioner, against the commissioner's office about what a team is doing. The grievances are all numbered. The first grievance of the year in 2023 is, is numbered 2023-1. You know how many grievances there are when you say, oh, we're grievance 2023-9. I guess there's been nine issues so far. The reason why management files grievances or why labor files grievances is that you are protecting the collective bargain agreement and the rights granted to your side contained therein. Boy, that sounded like an official definition. That just came off the top of my head. That's what a grievance is for. When you feel as though that the other side is behaving in a way that is counter to the way they are forced to behave under the rules of the CBA that was collectively bargained collectively, a collective bargaining agreement together. That's why like with the auto workers or with any time you've got management and union in a collective bargaining situation, the talking point that you hear, whether you're on CNN or whatever network you're on and the PR statements that are made, they're not arguing in good faith. It's not a coincidence that you hear those words. Those are magical words in the world of collective bargaining because you have to bargain in good faith. You may not agree on everything. You may not come to an agreement at all before a strike or a lockout, but you've got to negotiate in good faith. You can't not negotiate. You can't pretend you don't like the size of the table. You can't pretend you're not going to get on a plane or a Zoom. You can't pretend you're not going to discuss the 20 most important issues to the other side. You have to. You can collectively agree to keep some issues for later. You'd be shocked how much time is spent putting together issue lists during collective bargaining. It would blow your mind. Yesterday, it was announced that the NFL has filed a grievance against the Players Association. This filing happened last week. 
They are accusing the union, wait for it, of improperly advising running backs to fake injuries as a contract negotiating tactic with teams. I wonder who they're talking about. I think they're talking about Jonathan Taylor. Hmm. Do you think they got word that running backs were not signing deals because the running backs all got together and had their own special call trying to form their own special union, which is absolute poppycock NGTH never going to happen that there will be a separate union for an individual category of a football player by position. So just forget it. God, I'm gesticulating a lot, moving microphones and computer screens. Sorry, Coco. But these running backs seem to believe that they're not getting paid. We did a segment on that where I said, there's a salary floor in football and there's a salary cap. You negotiated that. Part of the rights that owners have is that they get to pay whichever players they want. Part of the rights that you have as players is they've got to pay a certain amount total to members of your union. You can't tell management where to spend it, but you told them how much they have to spend. That's a pretty good get by the Players Association. But you think that owners are saying, we don't like running backs. We are purposefully going to not sign running backs, even though it may be smart, even though we have to spend a certain amount of money anyway, but we don't like running backs. So we're gonna choose not to pay. It's ridiculous. But the union thought that was the case. But then the owners said, this is so strange, these running backs. It's like they've gotten together and they've decided not to sign as though it's a form of collusion. Big word, not applicable, but you get my drift. Words are meant to communicate. You think the running backs were not spoken to by the Players Association? Hold the line. Do you know how often both sides are told to hold the line, but you can't tell anyone? How about arbitration in baseball? Do you know how often players are told by the union, do not settle that case. Do not sign at that number. You're screwing it up for the rest of the players in your class. You're a first time eligible pitcher. If you sign that deal, you're screwing your fellow union member. How many times do we get told, do not give into that player. You are screwing your partner who's got a player just like yours in arbitration. And if you're gonna fold like a tent, then wait for the other guy to have his hearing. Don't fold yet, you can do it. And plenty of owners cave. They don't care about the commissioner's office. Plenty of players cave, they don't care about their union. Because at the end of the day, self-acting happens to be the number one reason that anyone does anything. As much as we'd like to believe we live in a world of kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya, teams tend to act on their own behalf and players do too and I'm here for it. But of course, the commissioner's office and the players union is representing everybody. They're trying to keep everybody in line to keep the system moving forward. And when someone does something that doesn't keep the system moving forward, a grievance results. So this grievance, what are the chances that the players association said fake an injury? That'll be a great negotiating tactic. 
Hmm. Here's where I come out on that. The Nick Chubb injury last night, not a fake. Devastating. Obviously, I'm thinking about him. It is a horrific injury. I'm terribly sorry for Nick Chubb. Saquon Barkley, I watched him sprain his ankle. He's going to miss three weeks. He's on a one-year, $10 million deal. He's out for three weeks. Will it impact his free agency? Will it impact whether he gets tagged again? Do injuries impact what players are offered? Yes, they do. Actual injuries. The reason why NFL wants to guard against fake injuries is because if Jonathan Taylor can pretend he's injured and he's not actually injured, that has a deleterious impact on a team's ability to field the team they want to field. The whole purpose of putting your team together during the offseason is you negotiate with players, you sign players with the expectation that those players are going to play. And when players are put on the physically unable to perform list, forced to miss the first four weeks, you're not sure what the reasoning is. Are they doing that to hold out? Is it a masked holdout? If so, that has to be dealt with in different parts of the agreement. So this is a very important grievance for the National Football League and for the Players Union. This will not be solved quickly because you will need an arbitrator to get to the bottom of medical reports and then to get to the bottom of intent. And as we know in our legal system, trying to get to the bottom of someone's intent is quite a bit more difficult. It's mostly circumstantial unless you get Jack Nicholson to acknowledge that he ordered the code red. And to do that, you're going to need Tom Cruise. So it's going to be really hard for this grievance to be settled other than the way so many grievances get settled in baseball. Here's a little secret. The majority of grievances in baseball get settled before they even go to hearing. And many of those get settled as a part of a new collective bargaining agreement, where when the union and the owners agree to all of the things contained in the 100-page document, hundreds of pages, part of the agreement includes a release of all pending grievances against teams, against players, two ways. It's like a mutual release, a peace offering, a dove, Let's get rid of these grievances because it's going to be ugly and we're not going to be able to prove what we want to prove and we don't think you can prove what you want to prove. How about this? Let's just pretend it never happened and then we'll all live to fight another day. That's what this type of grievance feels like to me. Something that will not live to fight another day is a series that I watched the finale of on Sunday night called Winning Time. And I'm going to review that and then talk about Patrick Mahomes right after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca. We are here for you every day live. Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Please subscribe, rate, review. The same that you're doing for Pablo Torre Finds Out, also do for Nothing Personal. Please tell your friends. Also go to davidsampsonpodcast.com. I got this morning, Coca, and I didn't tell you this pre-show and I'm sorry. Someone emailed me just this morning a recent updated picture of them wearing their horse hockey t-shirt that had been delivered yesterday. Looking fine. Let us know if you like the quality of the horse hockey t-shirt versus the quality of the nothing personal logo t-shirt. Cause I think I like the horse hockey t-shirt quality better, but I want to hear from everybody else. Okay. That's davidsampsonpodcast.com. All the merch you could ever want. Maybe I'll start selling Levitard merch on davidsampsonpodcast.com. How about that as an idea? I guess we'll see. Maybe we'll talk about that on Levitard's show tomorrow. I've been watching Winning Time from the beginning, and I am the definition of a niche audience. I am a child of 80s NBA, 90s NBA. It is my absolute childhood memory. I was 12 in 1980. I remember that decade. NBA was my jam. I wanted to be a starting point guard for the Knicks. I watched all the games. I remember when the NBA Finals was played on tape delay at 10.30 at night. Believe it or not, that's true story. The NBA Finals would not even have, they were hockey. Well, not hockey today, but hockey of old. My how far magic and Larry have brought the NBA. Jeff Perlman wrote a book about the rise of the Lakers dynasty, Showtime, and it was turned into a TV series. Two seasons with John C. Riley playing Dr. Jerry Buss, with Adrian Brody playing Pat Riley, with Jason Siegel playing Paul Westhead. An outstanding cast, and they found actors the, the actor who played Magic Johnson, who I'd never heard of before, he was Magic Johnson. He was so good in this, such a good actor. So the resemblance and just the, the, the mannerisms, the walk, everything. Even Kurt Rambis, I liked. I used to love Kurt Rambis. I loved him when he was a Nick. People may not remember that, but he was a Nick before he became a famous Laker. So what I'm here to talk about is Winning Time season two and ask the question, why would HBO cancel Winning Time? There had been a whole Twitter thing that it was on the edge, likely to be canceled. 
please watch the show if you want it to survive. And it did not survive. And the reason it did not survive is the cold hard truth it did not have the numbers. But why? I think Winning Time is going to be one of those shows that has a short run, but then people discover it later and it becomes a cult classic. It is done so well. Adam McKay's executive producer, the feel, the flow, the pace, the music, the on-point decade feel that it has. This show's not going away. You may only have 17 episodes to watch, but you're gonna watch it one of these moments and you're gonna realize you don't need to be a fan of the NBA. You don't need to know who Magic is or who Bird is. You just need to want good content. And winning time is great content. Not one minute of one episode that I not enjoy. So if you're looking for a new show, watch Winning Time. If you watch season one, but you're annoyed that season two is only seven and then got canceled, that must stink, you're wrong. Give it a chance and watch it. If you haven't started, start at episode one, season one, and watch how good TV is made. Winning Time season two was a winner, and I am sad to see it go. I'll watch that again, though. Okay. I'm putting on my team president hat and some of you are laughing right now. I can see it. I can't see it in this room because I'm looking at nobody, but I can feel it. David, you're a management hack. It's ironic you say that because people in the commissioner's office want to know why when I become so hardlining for players, executives who I speak to, God, why do you, what happened to you? I am not a management hack, I assure you. But I'm going to put my team president hat back on now. And I'm going to proffer an interrogatory toward the audience. Does a team have to renegotiate a contract with a player who's outperforming his contract? That's interrogatory number one. Number two, does a team have to renegotiate with a player because other players are now making more money than that player? Patrick Mahomes, during COVID, when the world was coming to an end, when we didn't know, we didn't know what was going to be with the NFL. We didn't know when games would start again. We didn't know whether fans would ever be allowed to watch games. Bring yourself back to the summer of 20. Brian Adams style. You go back to that summer of 69 and you're saying, if I'm Patrick Mahomes and I get offered $141 million guaranteed with the chance to make 450, and then I listened to nothing personal at that time, some of our COVID shows were amazing. And we went through the contract and said, he'll never get to 450. He's got to win the Super Bowl MVP every single year, the league MVP every single year. The team's got to make it to the AFC championship every single year. I think they've done that actually. But each year his ceiling kept going lower. But when he signed that deal, he signed that the same way Giancarlo Stanton signed his deal before having one at bat after getting hit in the face. Because when you can get guaranteed money where you know you are set for life and your kids and grandkids and friends and Romans and country people are set for life, there's some players who want to do that. Other players say, up yours, management. 
I'm gonna bet on myself. I'm gonna go year to year. I'm not gonna sign long-term. No problem, have at it. Patrick Mahomes signed, it's only 2020, a 10-year extension. Guess what? He is now the eighth highest paid quarterback in football. That's not fair. He's the best quarterback in football. But yes, it is fair because he signed a contract. So my team president hat says, if I have a player approach me who says they want to renegotiate a deal, I'm very honest with them and I say, no chance, toilet pants. We didn't force you to sign it. Let me bring you back to a conversation I had with Christian Yelich, an, a terrific man who I've known since he was a very young high schooler. Walked into the manager's office in spring training. We were negotiating his contract and we finished it off, just me and him in a room. And he'll tell you the story because I remember exactly where we were. We were both standing up behind the manager's desk, in front of the manager's desk. Manager wasn't there. We were writing numbers on a piece of paper. I knew what I had permission to go to from the owner. And it was just me and Yelly. No agent, no GM, no owner. We guaranteed Yelich an extra year. We gave him a guarantee amount of money. I'm forgetting the amount, maybe $55 million. And he said, you do that, you're in. I'm signing that. It was 49 and a half million in 2015, a seven year deal. Thank you, Coca. He came up to me a couple years later and he smiled saying, wow, you got me good. And I said, Yelly, there were no guarantees. We thought that you were gonna be an MVP type player. We thought you were gonna hit for power, for average. We've loved you since the moment we saw you, but you wanted to make sure that you had generational wealth risk-free, performance risk-free, injury risk-free, economy risk-free. You wanted to get paid to take care of you and your family, your sibling, your brother, your mother, and you did that. Go get more with your next deal. He didn't come to me and say, I demand you to renegotiate the deal. He knew exactly why he signed that deal. He ended up getting a huge deal with Milwaukee. I couldn't be more proud of Yelly for the career earnings that he's gonna have because he deserves it more than most. But he knew when he signed what he was signing. Patrick Mahomes is the son of a major league professional athlete. Do you think Patrick Mahomes had no idea what he was signing? And I'm presenting this because I wanna make it clear to you when there are players who don't know what they're signing versus players who do. You could argue, and some of you are about to, that Acuna in Atlanta must not have known what he was signing because he took the money from the Braves and he's the most underpaid athlete in the history of athletes. Players have agents. Contracts get approved by the union. You can't sign a contract without prior approval. Acuna signed that deal because he got life-altering money for his family. He needed and wanted that money. Did management take advantage of that fact? Maybe. That's their leverage. Did they take a risk when you sign a young player to a guaranteed deal? Yes. The risk is the player gets hurt or doesn't perform. 
because that happens a lot. But when two sides view risk equally, when two sides believe they are both taking a chance where they could both get burned, you get an agreement. The Patrick Mahomes deal was signed at the time, recognizing who he was, what he meant to the Chiefs, and the risk that the Chiefs were taking by signing a quarterback for 10 years, and the risk that Mahomes was taking, knowing that in general, salaries go up. And if COVID ends, there's a chance that there's recovery, and then all of these young quarterbacks who we already knew of were gonna come due, they were gonna have their moment, and they were likely gonna get more guaranteed money. And guess what? It happened. Just like people have signed bigger deals than Acuna. Just like people signed bigger deals than Yelly. Question. Why did the Chiefs renegotiate the deal? They restructured his contract and they moved the guaranteed portion to the next four years. $210 million between 23 and 26. That's the most money ever in a four year span. And it's guaranteed. Not a coincidence that it's still not the Deshaun Watson number. Still not the 230, but it's as though Mahomes signed a four-year deal right now for 210. That's a big deal. But yet he's under contract for after 2026. And upon announcement of the restructure, Mahomes' agent said, by the way, on a side note, we're going to revisit the agreement after 2026 also. Do you know what those are called? Player opt-outs. If you want it, get it in advance. If you can get a team to give it, congratulations to you. I rue the day that I gave an opt-out to Giancarlo because it meant telling all of the agents out there, including Boris, that teams were gonna give opt-outs left, right, and center. And opt-outs are one way, baby. Players only opt out when they know they can get more in free agency. Think the Marlins are happy that Solaire has an opt-out? They were furious about the opt-out today because they're going to lose him. When Solaire was hurt and not playing well, they were furious about the opt-out because he was going to opt in. Giving a player an opt-out on an annual basis is a nightmare because you can't lose if you're the player. Either you outperform the deal and you opt out and get a bigger deal, sometimes from the same team. I'm talking to you, A-Rod and others. Or you stink and you're hurt and you opt in and you get paid for being crappy. That doesn't seem like a good plan. Opt-outs are things that I wanted to get put into the collective bargain agreement. I wanted them to be outlawed save owners from themselves, don't allow them. Didn't work. Couldn't get momentum, couldn't get votes. No, no, we like it, the players want it. Agents are demanding it, we gotta give it. We can't lose the player. My friend Jerry Reinsdorf had a very simple rule. You sign a deal, you stick to the deal. I sign a deal, I stick to the deal. We both sign a deal, we both stick to the deal. Get out of my office, Scotty Pippen. We're not renegotiating your contract. When a player signs today, they do it with eyes wide open, with support, with knowledge, with understanding. You think Patrick Mahomes is just learning now? Oh my God, 
players are getting paid more than I am. Was his agent that bad that he forgot to tell Mahomes? Side note, there's a chance that you're not going to be number one forever. Everybody knows that. What a massive restructure and what a massive mistake. I did not make a mistake in the nothing personal pick of the day. Shout out to DraftKings, by the way. Enjoyed the opportunity to spend some time with people at DraftKings yesterday. The nothing personal pick of the day brought to you by, I'm winking if you can't see that and you're not watching this. Nothing personal pick of the day brought to you by TikTok, TikTok. Steelers plus two versus the Browns. Who had it? It's a wiener. Again, I am sending out my wishes. It is, I'm sorry, Nick Chubb. I truly am. But I'm happy that the Steelers won because we're 127 and 131. Four games away, back to par, not financially. I got a long way to go there. But my wait to see is that I'll finish with an above 500 record, by the way, Coco. What do we got tonight? We have a lot of games. Baseball matters right now. Are you watching it? There's like 10 games left in the season or 12 games. It's unbelievable. The National Wildcard race is insanity. The AL West insanity. Still watch these games. So the game that I want you to watch tonight is the Padres Rockies. Oi. But still, I'm actually siding and betting with Blake Snell, the guy who I avoid like the plague for his five and dive. This is the home stretch for the Cy Young. He's going for it. Another outing the way he's been doing for two months now, tonight against the Rockies, and you're looking at your National League Cy Young winner. Unbelievable. For the most dysfunctional, crappy, disappointing, overpaid, someone's getting fired team out there. I do want to mention, before I move on, that it is the Padres over the Rockies is my pick of the day. I'm sending best wishes to Peter Seidler. I do a lot of things on this show. I talk about what's going on behind the scenes and I can be critical, but always honest about how I feel about how teams are run or what is happening behind the scenes in any sport, culture, entertainment, politics. I don't ever wish ill on anyone. I wish some people would lose their jobs and I'll tell you right now, as president of the Padres, I'm firing AJ Preller. You know I say that. I never wish for someone to be sick for someone's family member to be sick. Peter Seidler announced that Seidler uh, himself will not be at games because he underwent some sort of medical procedure. We don't know at all what it is because he didn't say, but I'm sending Peter, please get healthy, get well, and get a new GM because your organization absolutely has a problem and it's not you, although you spend too much money, you know that, but it's not you. I like working on my birthday. It's not my birthday today, but I wanna do a birthday shout out to Ken Rosenthal. Happy birthday, Ken. What about that sponsorship deal we were gonna do with that company that makes clothes for short people? Ken Rosenthal does a lot for charity. His bow ties follow his charities. I'm doing something for charity, what I'm doing here at the end of the week 
raising money for Parkinson's. There's going to be a link. I'm gonna start tweeting it out each day starting today. I'll put it on Instagram at David P. Sampson. I'm gonna find out if we can put a link on the website. I would imagine on davidsampsonpodcast.com, we will find a way to get a link there. And we've been trying to get a link for our document that has all the movies as well. I'm, I'm getting that done today, Coke. I'm gonna find a way. Ken Rosenthal is releasing a piece that you should read. If you don't read The Athletic or subscribe to The Athletic, you should. And it's about the Padres season and how there's a foundation issue. There is clear institutional failure. And I must have some wait to sees about this. Things came out in the last week about Machado and questioning his leadership, all the different team meetings they had and whether or not it was they were effective, which clearly they weren't question about what they're going to do with Juan Soto. Do they re-sign him or not? What they do with Otani, do they actually go for it? Do they have a chance to get Otani? How can they possibly keep raising payroll? It's actually fiscally impossible, no matter the waiting list. And what fascinates me most about the Padres situation is that they tend to do the same thing institutionally in cycles. And they get negative results from it there was a time when they did, what was it? They'd signed, remember Kimbrell and Shields, and then they had to get rid of them all. They've had an issue inside that clubhouse because is it Tatis? I don't know. Is it Soto? I don't know. I've got thoughts that it's Soto, questioning who his agent is. Tatis, as you know, the steroid issue, but he's back and he's been quiet. He's been behaving. He's been playing great. And he's been doing his job, which is a reflection of his agent. So I wonder where the turd is and how many there are and what you do to get rid of them. When you are in a situation where you're supposed to win and then you don't, you can go one of two ways. You can get together as a team or fall apart as a team. It is clear that the Padres fell apart and there was no way to recover from it. And when you see that happening to your team, you've got to look at the leadership. And if you're not willing to look at the leadership, then you sure as heck have to look at the players. But under no scenario can you quote unquote, run it back. Because there is zero chance that the Padres with the same clubhouse, the same players, the same general manager, the same leadership will have a better year next year. So Peter Seidler, when he tells you that he wants 24 to be a better year and he's excited for it, I can promise you that the only way that will be true, Peter, is A, you've got to get better yourself physically, but B, you've got to make changes and changes they will make. I'll tell you who's gonna run it back. Us, tomorrow, 8 a.m. Because it's just business. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.